0: Future of Finance Podcast, where finance finds its future.
1: Hello, I'm Dominic Hobson, co-founder of Future of Finance. My guests today are Michael Chrisalius, head of the Issuer CSD at ClearStream, and Tilo Derenbach, head of commercialization and digitalization at ClearStream. Our topic is D7, fully digital post-trade infrastructure ClearStream is building to link centralized and distributed securities market networks. Michael, Tilo, thanks very much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Dominic, for the invitation. It's a great pleasure being here today.
0: Same here. Lovely to see you again, Dominic. Thanks for having us.
1: Great. My first question is is a big one, really. Uh, we read a lot about D7. What exactly, and indeed I've just given a description of it, but what exactly does D7 do well, D7
2: is Deutsche Börse's post-trade platform for the digitization of electronic securities for issuers and their agents. It carries all types of barrel bonds that can be issued, digitized and held in dematerialized form via D7. D7 is actually a vital component of Deutsche Börse's strategy and I believe the important message here is D7 is in production. It's not a proof of concept or a showcase one could really say the train towards digitization has left the station with
1: D7. One of your colleagues, Michael, described D7 to me as a digital CSD, which I took to mean that digital securities are issued into a CSD, they're settled between the participants in that CSD, and indeed they're held uh, in digital wallets by those participants in the CSD. Is that an accurate description of what D7 is or aspires to be?
2: That's a very good question. Actually, in D7, the CSD does play a central role, but D7 is more than just a digital CSD. In D7, the securities get already digitized at the origination. D7 allows the dematerialized issuance of securities and the management of securities over the complete lifecycle. D7 gives all market participants access to the relevant information so security during the whole life cycle. It helps market participants to streamline their processes end to end. It therefore clearly goes beyond the function of a CSD.
1: That we read about a lot in Germany, of course, has been the German Electronic uh, Securities Act back in, in 2021. Does it make sense to see D7 as a response to the dematerialization opportunity created by that legislation? In other words, was the initial concept of D7 a specifically German democracy which you're now looking to internationalize?
2: Um, One could get really the impression that D7 is the answer to the EWPG in Germany. But in fact, we started working with market participants much earlier. On a sustainable solution that would help the financial market, and will create a relevant business case for all market participants. We firmly believe that at the end of the day, market participants will only invest in a digital solution if it generates added value for their core business.
1: Something I read on your website uh, intrigued me. You, you said that eighty percent of German securities are going to be digitizable by the by the D seven. Platform, and I, I couldn't work out whether I was more surprised by this twenty percent that can't be <laughs> or so whether, it, whether it's eighty percent that can be. Well, th- what, is 20, is, what is that twenty percent? Is my question.
2: Okay, the the answer is 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 very easy. The German Electronic Securities Act covers about eighty percent of today's issuance volume. As soon as the legislator closes the gap for the remaining twenty percent, these will also be covered by D seven. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, one last question before we, we move on a bit, uh, Michael. You, you mentioned a minute ago that this is not a proof of concept. This is actually in production. Did it, it, did it go live and, and how much business have you done so far? Um, the, let me take a step back. The EWPG came
2: into force in summer 2021. It marks a major, major milestone in the German legislation as it follows dematerialized issuance of financial securities in the German market for the first time. In November 2021, the central register, which is an an essential part of the EWPG, went into production with a reduced scope. This allowed the dematerialized issuance of bearer bonds. Then later in September 2022, D7 went into production with a digital instrument for warrants and certificates. And in December 2021, we extended the scope to commercial paper and fixed income products that can also now be issued digitally for 87.
1: You okay. you're uh, head of commercialization. Is, is there something you wanted to add to the um, business being done?
0: I'd love to thank you very much for that, Dominic. And thanks, Michael, for the uh, for the introduction of all these points. Perhaps also uh, to put things into perspective when we talk about issuance and you talked about the 80, 20 percent, 80 percent, 20 percent topic overall. Um, And I'm not even sure if this is common knowledge, Um, in Germany, we issue 400,000 ISENs, 400,000 instruments per month, give or take. This is, of course, where we also want to, and that represents 100% of what we've just discussed. Um, We, of course, want to take D7 to that level. We basically want to migrate, as Michael was explaining, and as you introduced it as well, want to position D7 as the market digital market infrastructure of the future. And therefore, the business that we have today is to migrate over time onto that platform. So we're looking to scale D7 up to that sort of level. So when you ask us about the activity, we already see very, very good activity and traction of issuance. And this can be publicly tracked on uh, on the different databases by the uh, pilot issuers that that have already onboarded onto D7. But of course, uh, we want to take d7 to that 400 000, uh, number at least uh, on a monthly basis so we can claim that we are already starting to scale up with those uh, pilot issuers but i'd like to emphasize also that we as market infrastructure obviously this is, we are we're in this for the next few decades we're building a market infrastructure for the next hopefully many, many decades, right? So scalability is important, robustness is important. But also the sort of I like to call it institutional great quality of the architecture that we use is particularly important. So this is all to say that this is not a sprint, but a marathon. So we have very good traction already now. We are scaling up. We're not at the 400,000 issuances per day, uh, sorry, per month yet, but that is what we aspire to and where we've taken our clients on a journey to uh, to join us to de- deliver this. And uh, in a in not too distant future, we will have reached that number already.
1: And as you scale up towards that 400,000 number, How important has it been to engage the market participants in in the design of what D7 is doing? And by participants, I mean both issuers and investors. Uh,
0: Very important and uh, precisely both are very important. So the issuers as well as uh, investors are particularly important in this context because we need to deliver benefits to both if we want to take them along on this journey of migrating from a traditional market infrastructure to a to a digital market infrastructure. And not only do we have to create use cases and, you know, solid business cases, but very clearly the benefits of the new proposition, and I hope we'll talk about this later on in in this conversation must outweigh the cost of migration, the cost of projecting this and, and adopting to the to the new infrastructure. So for us, Therefore, we absolutely needed, but also wanted to take these stakeholders on the journey. We started off with uh, probably two years ago now, Michael, you would have to remind me more than two years ago, we started taking both parties on board in working groups, describing jointly and clarifying jointly what the target operating model is to look like, what the benefits are that we want to reap, what the business opportunities are that we want to generate, um, and a digital market infrastructure and speeded up processing of securities definitely delivers some of those uh, savings, but also business opportunities. So we took them all along uh, quite a while ago already to really clarify what's the use case, what are the business cases for all of the participants to really take everyone Um, along. And of course, we will continue to do that now that D7 has been launched. We continue to engage the parties, issuers, investors, but also other stakeholders in the industry um, to to just plan for the future development of D7, because we've got many more things that we want to roll out.
1: Chilo, you you mentioned that part of your strategy is to minimize the costs and the disruption to the users. Now, you recently announced a a partnership with with Google Cloud, which I um, intubating is po- possibly part of that minimise the disruption strategy. But tell me, what are the implications for D7 of that Google partnership and what are you trying to achieve with it?
0: Yeah, very, very good. Very good question. Thank you for that. And it's actually particularly exciting for us to have um, to have been able to announce this partnership now, finally, after a good um, period of negotiation with, with Google. Um, let me start off by saying that the future for us, as we've already emphasised to a degree, is digital the industry our industry the financial industry is going digital and clearstream wants to shape that journey we want to shape that future of digitization for the for the industry by contributing our piece with d seven um, and we've entered into this 10-year partnership as you will have seen in the press with google to accelerate that transition for ourselves to speed up the evolution of our d7 platform but really accelerate that transition of the financial industry into the uh, into this digital age if you like and with google we have of course a fantastic partner that that helps us enhance on the one hand side our uh, product and service portfolio around real world securities but also digital securities and of course to mm, further develop and scale our our D7 platform. So I will say in the short term, for the immediate near future, let's say the the next 9, 12, uh, 15 months, it is very much about the acceleration of the implementation of further product classes. uh, Michael already alluded to the retail structure products and the the fixed income products, commercial paper, and, and other. To also create new data products and insights data insights on the basis of what we're building here with them and of course leveraging their their know-how to um, to develop that technology of the future or and innovation of d7 further beyond what we've already done so that's really the scope and the ambition and a 10-year journey is is long but we we think this is um this is for the rest of our lives hopefully and surely well beyond the 10-year partnership that we've agreed so far
1: I wonder if you have customers who are not um, that happy about what, what D7 implies to them. So what's the, what is the impact of D7 going to be on the intermediaries? I'm thinking here of of brokers, broker-dealers, and particularly custodian banks. Is this good news or bad news for them?
0: Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to, to keep in mind a number of things. So the first thing is D7 has started off as a platform started off as the platform where issuance of digital uh, securities happens as we've already clarified d7 is to replace our traditional market infrastructure entirely end-to-end so beyond issuance of course down the chain settlement asset servicing custody and, uh, and and so forth um so from that perspective we must take along all of the stakeholders along that that chain We've started off with the issuers and then the investor side on the other end. But talking about other stakeholders, custodians, uh, brokers, or other intermediaries, they will have firmly have to become part of that uh, of the journey and part of our working groups. Of course, um, that's that's a key fundamental um, uh, fundamental point. The other important point to note f- uh, at this stage of D7 is that as a custodian, as a broker. Whether a security gets issued via D7 or very traditionally via Clearstream Banking Frankfurt or Clearstream Banking Luxembourg or Luxe means has has no impact, zero impact. Any market participants, any investor type can continue to invest into securities that are issued on a Clearstream platform as they do today, with absolutely no impact on the way they interact with the market, the way they can invest in a, in a product or the costing of that at all at this stage. Of course, we want to extend that. And uh, this is where we have to take the colleagues onto a journey. The important piece for us is that we make sure that on the one hand side, the issuers can reach the investor base. They want that the liquidity can be created, that they're seeking to to create with the, uh, the instrument and finance their business accordingly. Equally, it is absolutely paramount, and therefore, there is no losers, no one left behind. We would not proceed with our proposition uh, without taking the investor along and making sure that they can also continue to invest in all of the products that they've seen uh, being listed, or sorry, pardon, issued on on Clearstream platforms so far. So there is no such thing as a as a loser or someone being left behind. We understand the paramount m- need and meaning of high liquidity and investor base and on on the flip side, investment opportunity for the investment community. So from that perspective, um, the answer is there's clearly no such thing.
1: Right. Michael, you've just heard Tilo use the the term zero impact, and you clearly want D7 to help both issuers and investors be absolutely indifferent. The investor wants this exposure. The issuer wants to reach those investors. Whether that's done through the CSD or whether it's done through D7, whether it's done on a centralized or decentralized basis, the purpose of this is to is to is to have zero impact on 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 them. You will you will make that possible for these parties. So that that ambition is very clear. But is there a long term strategy here uh, in which you want to grow uh, the as you scale up towards that 400,000 items a month? target? Is it to grow a digital securities market alongside the existing securities markets and then eventually the digital side will kind of make the traditional side obsolete? Or do you expect them to continue to to exist side by side and you to continue to enable people to between the two models forever? There's no ambition here to sort of migrate the traditional business onto the digital platform. It's to somehow um Facilitate either a gradual convergence rather than a, a takeover. I'm rambling a bit here, Michael. Help me. What is the long term?
2: Well, let me try and and help here. Mm. Um, we we strongly believe that both worlds, the 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 digital and the traditional world, will will coexist on the medium term, um, as there might be um, on the short to medium term no, no real business case to, to migrate from from one world into the other. Tilo mentioned the, the, the most important drivers for the digitization just a bit earlier. The focus of the digitization on, on our end is on clear business benefits and these drives the technical implication of, of the digitization. Now when we then um, look at the use case together and decide with our partners in which network the the digital financial product will exist. Um, I think that that makes a lot of sense instead of the other way around. With the D7 digitizer, then we offer a scalable access to both the C5 world and the DeFi world via one and the same interface. Let me just try and, and illustrate that a bit with an example. So if an issuer, let's say, wants to issue a commercial paper, um, or if I would get into the role of an issuer, I can in the future focus on the commercial aspects, the legal form in which I want to issue the security and where my liquidity pools are. Depending on this, I can issue my product on D7 via the D7 digitizer and always use the same standardized interface, regardless whether it is issued in Glistenbank in Frankfurt, Glistenbank in Luxembourg, Lux or even, let's say, in a distributed network outside the CSD. Uh,
1: Tilo, we've heard Michael talk about the issuance process there. One of the benefits you're going to offer to issuers is same day issuance this isn't going to be a prolonged process now how is it more to the issuers and is it more valuable in some in some uh, instruments than it is in others
0: we don't uh, we will not only do that but we already experience that and have evidenced uh, that same day issuance process uh, and this sp- speeded up processing for from an issuance perspective um, let me start off more generically again um, if you compare germany to other european markets germany from an issuance perspective is already quite efficient very efficient actually and relatively cheap compared to uh, to peers in in the european context uh, still, even in Germany, the issuance can take um, 24 hours, 36 hours from from really inception of the instrument until it is available for investment by the retail investor. When we talk about retail structure products with D seven, we have already with the issuance that I talked about earlier, reduced that process to sub one hour to nine minutes to be exact. And that is quite a significant reduction of, uh, you know, the the duration or the the, the process flow from several hours or days to, to individual minutes. And that creates, of course, very new business models for the issuers because they can now create products much closer to market events, reacting immediately to market events, rather than having to create products that are relatively broad, Because you don't know, one does not know where the strike prices will be tomorrow, where the index is going to be tomorrow, whether the markets are going to be as stable or more volatile uh, than today. So the the new business model really for issuers is that they can launch new products much, much closer to a a market event. And that is truly, indeed, I think you were alluding to that, of course, slightly more relevant for instruments that uh, are shorter lived like a, a retail structure of products or commercial paper, right, that is that is true, uh, this uh, nine minutes versus 24 hours is probably less relevant for th- for a 30 year bond. But for the wide range of issuers across the products, uh, a speeded up process, of course, is always beneficial. And we haven't actually yet talked about, you know, the, the efficiencies that that creates in the market. But this is the point where we would emphasize the, the business opportunities it creates for, for the issuance community. Mm-hmm.
1: And I I assume, Tilo, that these getting closer to that uh, um, market event means that you uh, are able to um, lower the costs of of issuance as well. Uh, So it sounds like a lot of good news for issuers. What the what are the advantages for the investors that you would highlight?
0: Mm, That's the flip side of that that same coin. If the issuer can actually create more products um, to reacting to certain or a higher number of market events during the day intraday that then gives the investor the on the flip side the possibility to invest more concretely more pointed to a, a certain need or a, a strategy that they that they might have so from in that sense it is it is good for both the issuer has the possibility to grow the portfolio the proposition to the market and the investor, just has a wider range of products to choose from. React being able to react to more long-term things, or planning for longer-term strategies, or more immediate strategies attached to the um, uh, to a market event. For sure, the the ability to do so. So, i.e., the reaction to market event within the hour, if I could say so, is absolutely groundbreaking. That's not something that you can do anywhere, at least in the European context. I'm not aware of that. So that's quite a unique proposition. And that is something that we want to promote um, with D7, again, not only towards the issuers, but also towards the investors. And allow me to add that perhaps as well. We're talking about existing instruments, uh, security instruments that are already um, issued on our on our platforms, our traditional platforms today with D7, whether in a traditional or a decentral proposition, we will have pro- possibilities to offer very different asset groups to customers. Also, e-liquid instruments that currently don't see the the, the stock exchange as a place of um, of life, if you want, so private placements and other things. These things will also be able to be issued and and invested into via the d7 platform going forward so it goes beyond just the existing um, asset groups and securities groups that we've been discussing so far
1: mm-hmm. right so issuers may be paying less and as a result of that investors might be getting paid less but they have much greater variety and much faster access to to investments mm-hmm. uh, which prompts a a more general question uh, in my mind here at future of finance we obviously look at an awful lot of digital asset uh um, issuance and servicing projects, and many of them seem to run into this problem that it's very easy to itemise the benefits both to the issuers and to the and to the investors, and the savings are there. You can you can supply metrics which show they're actually achievable and so on. But time and again, I see these don't prove sufficient for the issuers to issue or the investors to say, "Yep, we're ready to invest in these in these instruments." Um, what makes you confident that that D7 isn't going to face? similar constraints perhaps Michael you could address that first and then Tilo could chip in
0: yeah or oh, if you like Michael I can I can take it we'll
1: around <laughs>
0: yeah if you yeah. If, if I may um because this is of course a, a good commercialization uh, topic for mm-hmm. myself so um we talked about the 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 working groups and the inclusion of the different stakeholders in the development of D7 and for us it was clear from the outset that we cannot base ourselves purely on interesting use cases, but these use cases must also deliver business cases. And not only for us, but for for the stakeholders in play. And as a starting point, those are the issuers. So from day one, I can assure you from day one, D7, with every issuance that takes place on d 7 we are already delivering against that business case for the issues because of speed, because of new business opportunities, because of the cost savings that we've already um, that we've already mentioned earlier. The other thing is that um, we, we have built this on the basis of the, the clear understanding that as a market infrastructure, as I said earlier, we need to deliver this for the next decades. And the other Uh, solutions and propositions that you've mentioned and there are a number of them and they're creating really good publicity in the market are in in a good part of instances i would call them allow me to call them single dealer platforms which means where you have uh, you know an issuer already basically pre-arranging a deal with with an investor and that works quite well but really doesn't deliver a business case yet it's a good use case but it doesn't deliver a business case because it's not a scalable uh, a scalable proposition as one argument the other one is that if we uh, take different ecosystems single dealer platforms multilateral platforms market infrastructure platforms with every new ecosystem liquidity in in instruments gets potentially reduced because the number of issuances, the number of investors that that can uh, that that can invest into these products um, are not atomized, but are spread out. And that reduces the liquidity in in different instruments. So we have to be careful when we talk about benefits of such platforms, that other other platforms that you've alluded to, that we don't increase the costs of financing, the increase the cost of investment because of what I've just described. And this is where we very strongly believe that we have a much, much more valuable proposition because we have a market infrastructure proposition that scales up across the instruments that we talked about, the hundred thousands of issuances um, per month that we have on our platform, linking that to the 2000 odd and more banks and financial intermediaries that are already connected to clear stream banking. So that is where the the ecosystem that 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 uh, comes together, and the benefits can be reaped jointly, while other propositions that we've seen so far seem to lack at least that liquidity seem to lack the scalability and the investor reach. This is not true for all, I'm sure, but for the things that we've seen so far, I would, I would state that.
1: Michael, did you want to add anything?
0: I, I can
2: only um, underline what, what Tilo was saying. Um, when I'm just looking back, Tilo was referring to it a bit earlier. It's a bit more than two years when we started to talk to to the market participants on our way to develop the D7 platform. What we discovered there, uh, the responses we always collected, was that actually when they were experimenting with with different types of distributed networks, they, they pretty early discovered that the administration and the cost for administration was huge, as well as the connectivity between the different participants, um, was quite complex, and that was one of the key driver why why they they um, actually motivated us to work together, set up a group of of um, market participants to develop um, what we have today in production SD seven.
1: I have to ask a question about uh, about regulation, and if we tried to cover everything that's going on on the regulatory side, we'd be here for days, if not if not weeks. So I'm going to confine myself to one question here. Please. Pilot regime for CSDs. So has that been helpful to you or relevant in any way or totally irrelevant to what you're doing? Mm-hmm.
0: So um, as a regulatory framework, it is, of course, helpful for the market as a whole. I think it's, uh, if I may, Michael, I'll, I'll pick that one up. Yeah. It's, um, I think, the first important step towards EU level regulation to a full regulatory environment uh, across across all of the EU countries. That is for sure. It certainly also gives um, a range of participants the sort of guardrails that they need to test their own sandbox concepts in in such a regulated framework. But it remains, as the name states, a pilot regime. And the pilot regime is limited in duration, in volume and and things like that. that's a little bit of a of a hindering factor for us as a market infrastructure, as we've perhaps emphasized too much already, but we're in this for the next decades, we're going to invest very relevant money into this market infrastructure that we're building out that is will replace our traditional market infrastructure. And for that, we of course, require very stable, very firm, plannable regulatory guardrails for the long run. And a pilot regime just is not that. So Not to say that, again, allow me to emphasize, very helpful piece of regulation. It is not quite the sort of, doesn't have the stability and and the focus, or sorry, the scope that we would require to have as our organization, but very, very helpful for a number of other market participants. In the meantime, until a full EU level regulation is available, um, we base ourselves on, on domestic market regulations. You mentioned already earlier, and, and Michael commented on, on EWPG, so the Securities Act in, in Germany, very, very solid piece of regulation that we can base ourselves on for the domestic market. Similarly, uh, you have the, the Blockchain Act in, in Luxembourg. where We will also have uh, two CSDs running, actually, also very solid piece of regulation that we can base ourselves on today. But again, certainly, we support and look forward to an EU-wide uh, regulatory framework. Until such time, we'll work on EWPG or, or Blockchain Act basis.
1: Okay, understood. Michael, I was very intrigued during the description of what you're doing on, on your website. You draw this parallel between smart digital instruments uh, as a form of data collection. You need to know who the issuer is when the 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 bond matures. What its coupon is. What its terms and conditions are. What its price is, and so on. And the, the parallels with music streaming, where this data is exists already, it can be infinitely reproduced at, at very low cost. It's a classic computer product. You know, um, zero marginal cost reproduction of of data that's kind of out there. What were you trying to say w- with that passage on the website? Were you trying to say that, the, that there is the point you're making is that the classic blockchain point on the one hand, all the investors, all the intermediaries, all the issuers can all see this data simultaneously. You can get rid of all those people working in the back office doing these expensive and, and costly reconciliations. You make far fewer errors and so. On. Or were you making a technical point about the need for these digitized securities to be standardized as digital objects, if you like? It'd be a standard like the MP3, in music streaming? Or perhaps you're saying both of those things.
2: Well, I think you, you, you're touching a very important point because the digital instrument is at, at the centre of, of the D7 platform. And um, let me try and describe um, the digital instrument in some mm-hmm. simple terms. Um, we ca- You can consider a digital instrument as a data container that is actually composed out of um, three elements. First one data describing the security, second being all the legal documents, such as final terms, prospectuses, et cetera, are attached to the digital instrument. And third, smart contracts in which the legal relevant elements are translated and documented in an ex- executable software code over the entire life cycle. Well, we 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 make the information and all the changes in the life cycle of the digital instrument available to all participants of D7 in a, true, in, a um, in a true distributed network at any time, so that every participant in the network, from issuer and agents to online brokers and retail banks, can integrate this information into their processes and run their transactions on it
1: as easily as playing uh, musical tunes on my spotify account right
2: that's okay. what it is yes yeah,
1: yeah sounds good uh, tilo you mentioned the the, the term ecosystem uh, a while back you mentioned the 2000 banks which are already inside the clearstream uh, ecosystem if you like so is there as as a strategy an ecosystem component i see that you you've got links to your other uh, other Clearstream-linked uh, project, the HQLAX liquidity management collateral management platform. So, is the is the idea here that that D7 is going to evolve into a settlement custody infrastructure within a network of networks of both blockchain-based digital asset networks and probably traditional uh, asset uh, networks? And and if if my understanding is correct, you are doing that. What what, what can you do actually to build that network? of networks? Do you need a sort of governor to decide who can be admitted to it uh, and then keep an eye on who has been admitted to make sure they still meet the criteria? Uh, am I am I asking you to, to, to see too far into the future or is that network of networks that wider ecosystem, something which you expect D7 to evolve into? Mm, uh,
0: certainly, uh, the, the clear answer is, is yes. Uh, this is an ecosystem play and the the, the the dimensions of that ecosystem discussion are numerous. Uh, you already mentioned one key point um, and I'll elaborate on that just a little bit further. <clears throat> um, traditional financial infrastructure and processes will not go away anytime soon. It is not likely that you or me will move our equity stock um, from a, you know, a, a, a paper-based sort of document into a tokenized environment. It could happen, but it will remain available and will need to be uh, available for investors who want to keep them in the traditional financial environment. We are now building um, a, with D7 a digital um, Uh, replacement for that, that we will, that we keep uh, linking into the traditional world. As I mentioned, investors can meet the issuer today without any change because following the digital issuance, the other processes still continue as they do today in the traditional environment, but we're adding components for central register as well as decentral ecosystem components, uh, blockchain, so DLT based or not. So we will have to create and will continue to create the, or be the bridge between, let me call it, TreadFi, cfi, Central Finance, and Decentral Finance, DeFi. So certainly there's an ecosystem play across these very, very different ecosystems to start with. Equally, it will be an ecosystem play between, I would say, the securities world and other asset classes. Be they held, again, traditionally or as tokens on chain or uh, as crypto native assets in, in, in whatever shape and form, those ecosystems will need to be connected as well. So from, a, from an investment opportunity perspective, it is an ecosystem here as well. And then you refer to HQ lakes, and that is yet another ecosystem dynamic or component rather, where uh, the, the core ecosystem of investors meeting issuers, and other stakeholders for, for trading of securities or, or other assets. You then have the value-added ecosystem components, I would like to call them, also in a decentralized world. Yeah, Today, Dominic, you know this very well, there are lending platforms, there are collateral management platforms, there are repo platforms, there are all sorts of value-adding components beyond the pure trading settlement uh, and, and custody services that the, the likes of ClearStreet provide. And this will have to be available, will have to be available also in a tokenized world or in a decentralized world, if I if I can emphasize that point. Uh, and I'd like to quote um, my good friend Barney from the Value Exchange who mm-hmm. basically created the phrase, congratulations, you now have a token. And it sounds so very easy, but uh, having a token means very little So a token which represents value, an asset value that I've invested into 10s or hundreds of millions of euros, possibly Um, the token does means very, very little to you if you cannot use that token, mobilize it, refinance it, uh, use it to create other value on chain or even off chain. So that ecosystem question is, is particularly important if we want to make sure and this is clearly our understanding and our goal, if it is our goal to and not only allow for the investment into an asset, but being able to create further value on the basis of that by using it as collateral, lending it out, uh, perhaps recycling it in some other way, or shape or form, uh, bringing it back into the traditional world for refinancing in the ICSD, whatever the case may be. So that repeating myself almost, the ecosystem plays very important, has very uh, many dimensions and particularly in the, in the DeFi world, in the Uh, Decentral proposition. So far, I think the industry lacks the sort of value add beyond the creation of a token. And this is where the ecosystem needs to be built out further.
1: Michael, uh, Tilo quoted our mutual friend uh, Barney Nelson. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations, you now have a token. A technical question for you. That there are certain things you, you you don't want to do with your token, actually, which is a lot of the asset servicing and so on. So will the digital instruments which you're helping to manufacture and issue use smart contracts?
2: That's a very simple and easy yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I explained it a bit earlier. So the digital instrument, um, it's composed of um, those three elements, which are actually data, legal documents,
1: and smart contracts. Okay. A final question uh, for for you both, which is that everything you've talked about in this conversation, digitization is clearly taking the industry uh, a stage beyond dematerialization. But a lot of people, and I hear this quite a lot, people say, well, actually securities are already <laughs> digitized. Why do we need to what is all this talk of digitizing them again? what is the what is the best answer to those who argue that securities are already? Digitized. I don't know who wants to go first. Uh,
0: Michael.
2: Yeah. Hi. Thanks. Thanks, Thilo.
1: <laughs> well,
2: um, today, what what we see is very different levels of automation in the fi- in financial organisations. The auto- automation within organisation is more or less well developed, but it ends latest at the boundaries of the organisation. This leads to a very high degree of inconsistent information that has to be reconciled between multiple data sources, processes, but also across market participants. What we often find is a partially um, fragmented process with with a lot of manual efforts. With D7, we create a uh, standardization that will actually overcome those organizational boundaries. Process steps can be made more efficient. We can accelerate um, the end-to-end processes um, in the indi- in the individual financial organisations, but um, probably more important across market participants, the time to market is reduced from days. Tilo was mentioning it a bit earlier to a few minutes. Reconciliation will disappear, or let's say it will at least be reduced to the bare minimum. With D7, we create a true uh, um, well a true um, dit- distributed network to which all participants along the value chain are connected and will benefit from. So if you allow me, I'd like to to illustrate it with a very simple example from the retail business. Once an issuer issues a retail financial product on D7, it takes only a few minutes until the security is ready for settlement. In the example earlier, Tilo was mentioning the nine minutes. The information about the digital instrument It's immediately available in a standardized format to all interested participants on D7. The digital instrument gets immediately listed at trading venues if required, and trading can immediately start. Now, connected online brokers and retail banks can instantly offer their products to their clients, and clients can start trading, be it OTC or stock exchange trading, I think or you want to add
0: something to it? <laughs> no, I think that was quite exhaustive. That is indeed the the, the full message in the end. Yeah. Okay.
1: With that, I'd like to thank uh, Michael Criselius, Head of the Issue of CST at Clearstream, Darren Back, Head of Commercialization and Digitalization at Clearstream. Thank you to you both for taking the time uh, to give such full answers to our audience at Future of Finance. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Dominic. Till soon.
2: Thank you also from my side for giving us a chance to share the D7 vision and how we see the future.